Good morning. See, I saw when uh, Rachel said that Jana has the spiritual gift of making people do what they don't want to do, Cliff started laughing. So, <laughs> evidently, she exercises that gift on Cliff a lot. So, that's good. But it is honored, it's a real honor to be here. Um, I'm indebted to your church and your leadership because so much has been poured into my wife, Marilyn, and I through Pastor Ted and your other pastors and your body and your school and. Uh, I mean, our family, our kids, and our life is much better because of this church and this school. So I want to start off by thanking you, Um, and it's a real privilege to be here. Uh, I've been married 22 years. I have five kids. Um, That's them. Um, 18 down to six. Yes, it's a very complicated existence. Uh, Three teenage girls. People ask me, how are you doing? I'm like... I have no idea. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, you, you can't answer that question, honestly. But uh, we are really blessed. God has given us favor at Grace Marriage to have Jeremy Bennett working full-time for us. Uh, Pastor Ted, we have, like he said, we have about 700 people engaged in Grace Marriage right now working every quarter on their marriage. By God's kindness, we're slated to have 2,500 people working on their marriage starting in January of 2018. And I believe God is up to something. We have been kicked around in the culture in the area of marriage long enough. Marriage, the Bible starts with the marriage, the Bible ends with the marriage, Satan is after marriage, and he's been winning for too long. Aggressive attacks have come against this institution, and they have been very effective. The church has been too silent for so long, too long, me included, sitting in coexistent marriages without ones that bring God radical glory, and as a result, the institution has become stagnant and vulnerable to attack, and because of that, the attacks have become effective. So we're here today. I want to thank you, Heritage, for joining this movement. Eight churches in the Owensboro area are part of it, and now 42 short churches in the Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee area are part of this movement. I believe y'all are the early end of something very large the Lord is doing. I want to start, because really God brought about grace and marriage through what God did in the life of Marilyn and I, our testimony. God performed a miracle in our lives and our marriage. Our testimonies as believers are powerful because they show the amazing, supernatural, life-changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelations, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We learn and grow in belief as we see God work in each other's lives. And then we share and magnify the name of Jesus as to what he has done. And if people do not see Jesus magnified in our marriage, it guts our evangelism and our gospel. Because if it does not change our own marriage, we can't effectively tell them that it is going to change their life. So in our life, we got married. I met Marilyn. I don't know how many of y'all know Marilyn, but nobody in the world is perfect, but Marilyn is as close to it as they come. I mean, she was amazing. She was beautiful. She was pure. She was a servant. She was kind. She was godly. I couldn't believe she even existed. And I'm getting to date her. 
And somebody told me, we, I mean, I was so into Maryland. I said, there's a 90% chance you're going to marry this girl. And I remember kind of freaking out thinking, is there a 10% chance <laughs> that it's not going to work? And I was scared. But we, we had a great dating experience. I was so into Maryland. We, we went to Chuck Swindoll conference, a pre-marriage conference. It was a two-day deal. We paid this big tuition. We went for 30 minutes, left, and said, isn't it good that they've got this for people? <laughs> you know, it's, you know we're, we had something special and unique, and, you know, we didn't need that. Oh, boy, we needed that. Because then she married me. And we had a real short dating period, which in retrospect, I'm glad, because if we didn't, I think she'd have gotten to know me better and wouldn't have married me, and we wouldn't be here. So it was kind of good. Lock in quick so you don't lose it. Um, but Marilyn's testimony was the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was over. All the funny stuff about Brad wasn't funny anymore. It was funny in dating that I was messy and sloppy and there was dog hair everywhere. She found a, dog, a black dog hair in the ice cube of her drink in my house. And she laughed. Then we got married and she said, it's one thing to leave the soap in the tub, but the wrapper? I mean, it was all of a sudden, I mean, within... Reality hit her like a brick. And I did what most people do. You get married and you're just married. And we're okay and we're going to stay married. But it's stagnant, it's complacent, and it's lifeless. And people just come to deal with it and live with it and that's not okay. Marilyn wasn't okay with that. Um, she stayed after me ineffectively for a while. She cried couple times a week. I remember I'd say, man, why are you crying? I did not do anything. And God showed me later, that's the point. You didn't do anything. She was like hoping for something and you did absolutely nothing. And I remember I would tell her, she'd be upset, say, Marilyn, chill. That, that was her favorite. <laughs> um, because domestic violence is not legal. Uh, she couldn't do what she wanted to do. And I remember having the vivid thought, everybody else likes me except her. My staff likes me. The clients are coming in. And then I come home, and she can't stand me, so who must have the problem? Her. But I heard it said, if the person that knows you the very best likes you the very least, there's a problem with you. And um, then Marilyn came to me one time and said, Brad, I remember it vividly, I don't need you. Where's this going? And then she said, I want to ask for your forgiveness. Well, that was a first because I was an offender all the time. She said, I've been asking of you for something that only the Lord Jesus can and is called to give me. Beauty, affirmation, feeling special, feeling loved. Feeling significant is to come from one place, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Amen. It's not God and Jesus plus your marriage and you're okay. We teach to have a great marriage. You have to not need a great marriage because you understand the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be radiant and on fire when your spouse is completely distant and unresponsive. So Marilyn came back alive before the Lord broke me. So one thing we want to tell you is, don't put hope in marriage. Hope is in Jesus. In Jesus alone. 
your husband and your wife's going to be up and down. Life's going to get the best of them. They're going to be a jerk one week, nice the next, helpful one week, not helpful the next. Psalm, Psalm 56, 1 says, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? So then the Lord wasn't finished with our marriage. He had made a stable because he had taken Marilyn's hope away from Brad. But then I have a very aggressive spiritual uncle who if he sees something's wrong with you, he will wear you out <laughs> until you change it. So he wanted me to this marriage conference where they expositor the word of God on marriage. Of course, I have trouble sitting still through one hour of church service. Eight hours of hokey marriage stuff to me sounded like the worst thing I'd ever heard of. So I kept telling him no. So he called my office, cleared my schedule, called my wife, cleared my schedule at home, bought my ticket, invited my father-in-law, and said, Brett, I want to call you. I got great news. <laughs> he goes, you're clear at work. You're clear at home. I've already bought your ticket, and Larson's going. It's going to be awesome. I was like, so we met and went, and I didn't want to go. I did not see a need to change. I just thought I had a hypersensitive wife. And the, the word is sharper than a double-edged sword. I got there. And uh, they said, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. What do you give up for your wife? I could not think of anything. Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Be gentle. Don't be harsh. And my sin became HD clear. And I saw nothing good in me at all. You know, all of a sudden, vividly saw why Marilyn was in such pain for a year as she was married to a selfish, rude husband. So, but, the God, but God is gracious. His word is not to condemn. His word is to edify. And he filled me with a godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11 says, For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly sorrow produces grief. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you've proved yourself innocent in this matter. I could not wait to get back home. I could not wait to get back home and right myself. I got home about 2 in the morning. 5.30 that morning, Marilyn got up before church to plant plants. I know that's kind of weird, but that's what she did. So I got up on three hours sleep. Remember, I was the guy that got up 20 minutes before I had to be somewhere, didn't say a word to her, threw on clothes, ran to the car. And at 5 o'clock, I walked out with a shovel, and I looked at her, and I said, where do you want me to dig? She said, what are you doing? I said, we're starting this thing today. And I knew God had changed something within me. I'm compulsive, but I knew this was not temporary. I remember hoping she would doubt it. And think it was a three-week ride of a good marriage. But no, I knew God had changed me. And we have loved marriage ever since. 
And now God, God's kindness, he's used our marriages to help other marriages. And by God's providence has me out of the practice of law, now working full time to help people richly enjoy marriage and restore God's order to the family in our church and our culture and stop this crazy wreckage that's going on all the time because of our complacency. Because there's a crisis in our country and we're just not seeing it clearly enough. Listen to some statistics. Cohabitation has increased by 900%. The divorce rate of those age 50 and older has doubled. The divorce rate for age 65 and older has tripled. One out of every two marriages fail. 40% of those polled between 18 and 34 believe marriage is obsolete and no longer even relevant. Gay marriage is a reality. A major news article spoke of how porn can benefit marriage. A CNN article talks of how PhDs are now finding that monogamy is not best for all marriages. Monogamy is marriage. It's a definition of it. Now there's a me marriage movement that's taking off where you marry yourself. I'm a quote from their website. A self-wedding is a symbolic ceremony where you, about reconnecting and staying connected with you. Wear the ring to remind yourself every day to love yourself. Look at the deception that is coming against the family. Look what's happening to our kids, our culture, and the church because of the breakdown of the family. And now it's time to step forward. The quotes that marriage is an archaic institution which has outlived its time Psychology Today article says, with marriages failing at nearly 50% and the other 50% not looking all that appealing, why would we see marriage as an answer? They have a good point, and it's time to take their point away. And it's time to make it permanent, and it's time to make it beautiful, and it's time to richly enjoy one another in marriage for the glory of God and the restoration of the family. Because we've got to stop this. And it makes sense. The area where the evil one has had the most success is where the church has put the least resources. We invest in a lot of things, but then we just get married and we're just married, just like I was. And without investment into it, it is not beautiful. And presently, people aren't drawn to marriage. Even Christians aren't drawn to marriage. I was meeting with a believer out in California, been married about, he'd been dating a girl about two or three years. I asked him, are you going to marry her? Oh, bruh, I'm not ready for that. I'm like, why not? Oh, I mean, just the, the duty, the weight of it, the responsibilities of it. I mean, you know, just you know, all. And he just basically vomited me the world stereotype of marriage. I said, do you mind if I give you a different perspective? You get to go through your entire life with your very best friend in the world. When you're sad, you get to come home and share and have somebody there with you. When something goes great, you have somebody to celebrate with. Then you get to richly enjoy her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you have a consistency of love till death do you part. He said, I've never heard it put that way. And I said, well, shame on us and shame on the church because that's what it is. So I was at Bistro having dinner one night, and the waiter asked me, hey, are you all dating? Well, I'm like, I'm in my 40s. 
I've got a ring on. No, we're not dating. But he just assumed we were dating. Why? Because it looked like we were having fun, and married people don't do that. Likewise, there's a different restaurant, there's this older man with his wife, and he was on a cell phone just looking down, typing. I heard her say, if you did that when we dated, I would have never married you. He went. This complacency has to stop. And the church's discouraged attitude that we've lost has to end. Because we have not lost and we will not lose. Because truth is on our side. And when you're right and you don't quit, you win. Proverbs 21.30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? We serve the God that said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke the universe into existence, restoring his order to the family and our churches, and culture is nothing for him. When I didn't want it, he restored my marriage. So Proverbs 6, 10, and 11 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. We have slept long enough on marriage, and it's time to wake up. We fed the stereotypes, and now it's time to make marriage exciting, romantic, and fun, and grace-filled, and sacrificial, and bring glory to God, and restore the family. And two massive changes have to occur if that is going to happen. First and foremost, we must build marriages on the foundation of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, replacing the present performance-based model. Second, we must be proactive and intentional in our marriages and invest in the marriage. This mentality that if we're okay, we won't work on our marriage has to end. This mentality, if it gets so bad we can't take it, we'll call Pastor Ted or Pastor Brad or somebody else and try to get help, has to end. Nothing else in our life do we wait until it gets so bad we can't take it to work on it, except marriage. So first, let's talk about building marriage on the foundation of grace. The existing model is, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If my husband's kind to me and sweet to me and invest in me, I'll be generous with him. If he's cold, I withdraw. If she nags, I'll rebel or withdraw. Sin is met with sin. Sin is met with withdrawal or, con or conflict. Love is conditional. It's given and taken away based on the performance of the other. So ask yourself if you're married. When my spouse nags at me, is rude to me, is not gentle, says something harsh, what is my response? Do I withdraw and give a consequence? If so, that's a performance-based ma marriage. Because if one spouse doesn't do well, the other doesn't do well. And when a marriage is based on performance of the law, 2 Corinthians 3, 6 tells us, the letter kills. If it's a quid pro quo marriage, at some point the quid will stop, and then so will the quo. Marriage becomes a duty, hence the old ball and chain stereotype. A grace-based marriage is totally different. Listen to Romans 6.14. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Other translations, sin will not control you. It will not have dominion over you. 
Likewise, sin will not have control or dominion or mastery over marriage if you put it under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Physical intimacy, service, compliments, everything is given as a free gift of grace to your spouse because of the free gift of grace you've received. It's not a response to the behavior. God did not look down and see you, and he was not impressed and said, Man, Pastor Ted, he, Ted's doing so well, I think I'm going to reward him. No, he looked down and saw enemies of God and said, I'm going to send my only son to sacrifice because I love them. And it said, now go love your spouse that way. We've gotten caught up in the world's stuff, and now we've become conformed to the patterns of the world and not transformed by the glory of God. So Scripture tells us we're not under law. It's time to take our marriages out from under law. Now, how does this work? Instead of sin being met with withdrawal or consequence, it's met with grace, kindness, and pursuit. Marilyn's having a tough day. I come in, and it's a beehive. Do I respond negatively, criticize her, withdraw from her, or do I, do I try to rescue her? Work gets the best of me, and I get stressed, and I get cold, and she can tell I'm emotionally withdrawn, and I'm not engaging with the kids or her. Does she get frustrated and nag at me, or does she go to war for me? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. In marriage, you should have someone to help you up. An offense model has to be replaced with a gospel rescue model. We all get knocked off our horse. I know to, get, to be anxious about nothing, but often I'm anxious about everything. It's a day this week, I don't even know why I couldn't even breathe deep. I was stressed. I didn't like it, but I couldn't shake it. And I wasn't nice. And Marilyn pursued me and was kind and prayed and worried about me. We had a training in Nashville Saturday. I called her 11 o'clock on Friday night, which was dumb. But I, do you ever call them and you don't really think, and then as it's ringing, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have called? Well, she answers, hello, are you okay? I've been praying for you. She didn't say, what are you doing calling me at 11 when I have to be up at 6 tomorrow morning to take three kids to a cross-country meet while you work? So let me show you how it works. We have a, just a model how it works. Okay, you've got husband and wife. Remaining sins of reality, bad news, First John. We're going to keep sinning. Romans, Romans tells us, Paul keeps doing it, so will we. So one spouse sins against the other. She barks at him, nags at him, does something. Performance-based model. He doesn't like that. So he takes offense and goes cold or gives a consequence. And so he moves away. So then you have a relational chasm that's started. So then what happens? You have unforgiven sin. You have a sin barrier. You have a lack of grace. And when he takes offense, she does even worse because his sin makes her sin worse. So she moves even further away. He moves her further away. Then you have a chasm that starts and it ends with the destruction of the relationship. Sin has dominion and sin kills the marriage. In a grace-based model, it's totally different because here's what happened. Just like in the other model, one sins. But what does he do? He understands that while he was yet a sinner, Christ died for him. 
that nothing is held against him. There's no condemnation for him whatsoever in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been liberated and set free. So instead of moving away, he extends grace. He pursues her. He's kind to her. Then God's kindness leads to repentance. Wives win husbands over without a word by their godliness. And you have a rescue mentality. And as opposed to the chasm, sin no longer has dominion because the marriage is under grace and Jesus Christ gets glory. And the gospel is put on display for the world through the marriage as opposed to sin having dominion. And then the ministry of reconciliation is shown to be real because it works. That is a grace-based marriage. Luke 6 tells us, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Even pagan husbands are good to pagan wives when pagan wives are good to pagan husbands. What sets a Christian apart is what you do when your spouse is bad to you, is not nice to you. Now, I want to make one thing clear. This is not saying abuse or ongoing infidelity is to be tolerated because love abhors evil. Love hates evil. In, in love, seeking the growth of your spouse may involve separation in those circumstances. So this is how it works. You're going to have tough stretches in your marriage. You're going to have tough stretches spiritually. I had one stretch where, I don't know, guys, have you ever not done well and your wife's gotten on you about it and you don't really feel like you care that much? <laughs> so Marilyn's like, Brad. And I'm like, and she, she loves it when she can just tell I'm cold and don't care. So I'm like, you know, like. So I called my mentor and I said, look, it's not good. I'm not being a good husband. I feel cold inside. What do I do? This isn't good. He said, Brad, nothing. Stop. The Lord Jesus Christ forgave your rebellion, your bitterness, your unkindness, everything. And you've been giving unmerited favor by him. So stop and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've been forgiven for all of that stuff and can live in freedom. And go home and enjoy your wife. Went home, we went on a date that night, and we enjoyed each other as if neither one of us had ever sinned. So who gets the glory in a grace-based marriage? God. We don't have a grace mar great marriage because I'm great and Marilyn's great. I mess up all the time. You would laugh and not let me preach if you knew. Marilyn messes up. But she doesn't hold sin against me. I don't hold sin against her. In Ephesians 2, 9, For by the grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. Our marriage is a gift from God. I don't boast because I don't make it good. She doesn't boast because she makes it good. We boast in the Lord Jesus Christ because he makes it great. So... And grace-based marriages last. Have y'all noticed that life's pretty hard? Dad's struggling with cancer. I got three teenage girls. I'm up and down. My favorite clients died this week. Went to view the body. Storms hit. And when they hit... The only way your marriage is going to last if it's based on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because Matthew 7 says the storms are going to come. If you're basing it on the performance of each other, 
Life's going to get the best of you, and you're not going to do well for a period. We've had that occur in our marriage. We had a daughter who had a major seizure. Marion thought she had died in our arms. Marion thought she was holding our dead Madeline. At the same time, we have an infant not sleeping and another kid that's gluten and dairy free and Marilyn, the most stable woman in the world, feels like she's going to have panic attacks and is unhappy all the time. It lasted about a year, but God had opened my eyes up to grace and my job was just to be there. And after about a year, she called and said, Brad, I'm happy. I said, what? She said, I'm happy. I said, what? She said, I forgot what it felt like to be happy. I said, I'm happy today. Likewise, I had a stretch in the law where it just it got the best of me. I had some real conflictual, conflictual cases, and I'd mess something up, and it was just couldn't sleep. Wake up at 3.45 in the morning, distant, cold, disengaged. Marilyn pursued me, was kind to me. Came home one day, and she was crying. I said, what's wrong, honey? She goes, I'm just worried about you, and I've been praying. She didn't take offense. She went to war for me, and as a result, those storms did nothing but strengthen our marriage Take joy when you face trials of many kinds because it'll strengthen your faith. It'll strengthen your marriage. And now we are so grateful for one another. So that's the first thing. Build it on grace. The second thing, nothing's great by accident. You must invest in your marriage to have a great marriage. The present model, like we said, if you have a major problem or really struggling, call somebody. That's a bad model. We don't do that in health. If you ever get so sick you can't handle it, then go to a doctor and see if they can fix you. No, wellness works better. We need a new model where we're strategic and intentional in marriage. It's like saying, I'm not going to change the oil in my car because it's still running well. One of our churches says, take your marriage to the gym so you'll never have to take it to the hospital. Everything needs big picture attention to succeed. God gives us instruction in Scripture how to have great relationships. It is to prosper us in our relationships, not condemn us because of our shortcomings. 1 Timothy says, we know the law is good if one uses it properly. Galatians 5 says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another in love. We have no condemnation, so we can serve and love one another effectively. It used to be. Marilyn could not come to me with a problem because I would get all defensive and feel terrible about myself. Now, I want to know what I'm doing wrong because God loves me and wants to have a deeper relationship with him and Marilyn and instructs me because he loves me, not because he's seeking to condemn me. Because my hope's in Jesus, it's not in my behavior. I'll give you an example. We were teaching on physical touch, one of our intensives. I made the mistake later of asking her, how am I doing in this area? She said, do you really want to know? I made the mistake of saying yes. <clears throat> she said, I feel like you touch me like you do our dog, Lucy. She goes, did you ever think that when we're in church, I don't like this? <laughs> she goes, when you put your arm around me, it's like this big hog is landing on my shoulder. Then she paused and said, are you mad? I said, no. I said, we got a great marriage, and now I'll touch you better. <laughs> so, but no, it is not, it's not condemning. In Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The more you invest, the better your marriage will be. Gary Thomas, author of Sacred Marriage, says, divorce often occurs not because of a partner's character, but because of a lack of marriage skills in both partners. I've seen great 
people end up divorced. It saddened me yesterday to find a vibrant couple that appeared to be doing great, and I just found out that their marriage is dead and they're divorced. It's shocked. But they did not invest in the marriage. Good people. But Matthew 13, 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the seedfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. What has happened? Kid-centered society, busyness, soccer, baseball, football. You run all these different directions, errands, church activities, and you spend almost no time together. The average couple spends 35 minutes together one-on-one a week, and most of it is errand time presently. We have to make space for our marriage and align our life consistent with God's Word. And right now, our churches are full of excuses and empty on investment when it comes to marriage. The best thing you can do for your kids is show them what it looks like to have a great marriage. The best thing I can show my daughters is how a man loves his wife. When we go on a date, I tell my kids, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing, I'm leaving you for you so I can show you how you're married because you're going to be married someday and I want it to be great and I want it to last for you. And if you build it on grace and you're intentional, it will transform your marriage. And heritage is giving you an opportunity to do it. Let me tell you about grace marriage coaching. What it is, you take six hours every 90 days and take a big picture look at your marriage, and you work on your marriage, not in your marriage. You manage life, you don't allow life to manage you. Now here's how it came about. I was into a lot of things, very busy, too busy. The 90 mile per hour crash cycle is all too accurate. But the law practice had really grown. By God's kindness, my brother, who was my law partner, and I had more cases than we could handle. Our practice had grown. But to try to find time to talk to each other, client experience, marketing, staff development, what you want to accomplish as a Christian attorney, and really thinking big picture what we really want to accomplish as a law firm, we didn't have time because we're running here, we're running there, we're doing this, we're doing that. So we would like want to deal with those things and want to have a God-honoring law practice that does things at a high level. We didn't have time to talk about it. So there was a Strategic Coach was a business coaching program in Chicago. Their model was every 90 days, get out of your business and work on your business. You can't make one phone call regarding work. You can't talk to your staff. You're going to be asked big picture questions. What do you want to accomplish as a law firm? What do you want the staff experience to be? What do you want the client experience to be? What are you best at? What can you delegate away? To make a long story short, by looking big picture, within a four or five year period, we went from two lawyers to five lawyers, four staff to ten staff, Better income, less work hours, greater enjoyment of the practice, and a more God-honoring law practice. All because we took space to work on it and not be dominated by it. In 2012, as marriage pastor, I thought, wait a minute. Why wouldn't that work in marriage? What if you took Brad and Marilyn out of the crazy fray called life once every 90 days, took a deep breath and said, Marilyn, how are we doing? And gave good biblical principles and gave space to really talk about it and really plan and really be strategic and really work together. 
in a place that's calm and quiet and not exhausting and chaotic. So we took a test group, did them for a year. All 10 couples wanted to go into year two. At the time, our local church was about 350 to 400 people. We threw it out to the body and said, hey, we did this last year. Anybody else want to do it? 54 couples came forward on a 15-minute promotion with no pre-promotion. By God's kindness, other churches said we want to be proactive and intentional in marriage and not reactive and just deal with crisis as it comes. And now we have 42 churches that have launched or launching Grace Marriage with a plan and prayer that it moves into the thousands and that the paradigm of how marriage is done in America has changed and the reality of what marriage looks like in America has changed and God's order for the family is restored. In the pain and destruction that comes through relational breakdown stops. So now Heritage is launching. The first 50 couples that sign up at Heritage will be in Heritage. It's 2018 Grace Marriage. You will come together with 10 other couples and you'll be given six hours of space every quarter to work on your marriage. It's not a small group or a community group. Don't worry, guys, they're not going to say, tell us everything wrong with your family. We'd love to hear it and pray with you. <laughs> what it's going to be is, here's a concept, think on it, write some things down, talk about it with your spouse, figure out. I've been in it five years. We desperately need it. Last quarter in our coaching, Marilyn said, Brad, you're working too much and you're traveling too much. We need to get a handle on this. So we put boundaries up. We're working together, and our marriage is great again. But if we had not given it that attention, two years from now, the head of Grace Marriage could not have a marriage. Satan has taken down much more mature people than me. So what we're, we're asking, we're asking you to take a proactive approach, an intentional approach. We are okay is the enemy of marriage. We are not struggling is the enemy of marriage because it creates a complacency that people settle into something that's less than it should be and could be. We do not serve an okay God. And he does not call us to an okay marriage. And if you think your marriage is great, it may be, but God can take you to dimensions that you did not even know existed. Mystery of oneness and physical, emotional, and spiritual enjoyment and edification that you did not know existed. Five years ago, I would have said our marriage could not get better. Now it's way better. There is no ceiling with our God. So the cost, the typical cost is $360 per year, $90 for a full day. That includes your child care, your lunch, your materials, your experience, your everything. Heritage is subsidizing $60 per year, so the total cost at Heritage is $300 per year. That includes your child care. If you cannot afford that, sign up, sign up, and we'll try to figure out ways that can help you do it. For some of you, you hear $90 for a full day of coaching, lunches, snacks, child care, $45 a person for a full day. Some of you think, well, that's, that's really low. It is. Strategic coach is 9000 per year. If that's you, consider writing your check above your tuition to help subsidize those who have no discretionary money in their budget. 
So it is for all marriage. Everything needs attention to go well. Mark and Katie Redfern have been in Grace Marriage Coaching since its inception. Keith and Kim have been part of it as we were kind of developing. So they've experienced kind of the, the raw, non-Jeremy Jeremy version. That's been, it's gotten much better thanks to God's provision of Jeremy. So that's how you get involved. And it will change your marriage. There's an 81-year-old couple in Indianapolis signed up because we wanted to get to know some of the younger people. <laughs> and after one session, he was thinking, wow, we needed that. Because two people in their 80s just settled in to a norm that was less than God's best for them. And when they connected and enjoy one another and reflect on what they're grateful for one another, it brought them alive. Another lady in her 60s, the daughter of a shepherd, of a, the, the wife of a shepherd of a church, said in our first session of coaching, he said kinder and sweeter things to me than he has our entire marriage as she teared up. He's a great dude. He's just not real verbal. And when she heard verbally what he really thought of her, it nourished her soul. I'm asking you to take whatever you've got in marriage and to make it better and to protect what you have. We've been kicked around long enough, and we need to be more aggressive with the truth than they are with lies. And if we sit there while they're going to war, they will continue to win. If we go to war, we will stop this train, we'll turn it around, and we'll restore it back to the station of God's order for our family. So I'm asking you to step forward. Get other people to do it. Ask your neighbors, ask your coworkers, ask your family. Start a spider web that changes the reality of marriage in our churches and in our culture. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of preaching at Heritage, a place so dear to my wife and family and I. Thank you for this church being part of this movement that's willing to step forward and fill this ministry gap and be aggressive for your truth. May grace transform us individually as marriages, as churches. Lord, bless us and protect us and remind us to rest in your perfection and your beauty and your love and allow you to finish the work in us that you have started. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. half years in one way or the other we've been involved in grace marriage and it's been a blessing to my home my wife and I enjoy each other deeply and I credit that much to what Brad has helped me intentionally consider it's a whole lot easier to drift if you're in a boat it's much more challenging to row but if you drift you're going to go where the current takes you if you row you're going to go intentionally to where the Bible calls us to and that's what this is all about. So I would encourage all of you, some of you are thinking maybe that the cost might be for you a little prohibitive. That's fine. That's why the church and many of us in the church are willing to help and support you. Don't let that be a hindrance, please. And others are challenged in other ways. But that one day every three months, you'll find it, you'll be challenged. You'll say, how can I fit it in? But after you do fit it in, you'll come away saying, man, what a blessing. Several couples in our church have experienced that, and we're hopeful that you would be one of them. I certainly appreciate Brad and Marilyn and their work and, to the, ser and the service 
for the kingdom. As you can hear in his voice and testimony and you read in his literature, Christ is the purpose for this ministry. It's not to become an expert in marriage. It's to become an expert as a Christian in loving your spouse and enjoying what God created in the garden and said this about it. It is very good. Right? Sadly, it's affected because of Genesis 3 when Satan tempted and sin entered. And so we, as God's people, are just being restored personally in our marriages in the likeness of the image of Christ. What a delight. So we want to encourage you to participate in this ministry, to be blessed and enjoy it in the way in which God has given it. We're thankful that God's put such a burden on our brother's heart. And may we as a church find... uh,